Kia ora, welcome to The Detail. It's great to be back. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and today, Queenstown. From exciting adventure capital bursting with tourists to this. The size of the iceberg the economy's just hit became very apparent today. In just a month, Queenstown has gone from being one of the richest regions in the country to one of the poorest. We could not be any worse than we are at the present time. Two months ago, we were the most desirable part of New Zealand to live in. Um, growth in population, growth in GDP. Uh, suddenly, we have morphed into being probably the most financially challenged district in our country. The Mayor of Queenstown Lakes has described plans to cut hundreds of tourism jobs as a horror show. One of the country's largest tourist operators, Naitahu Tourism, has announced plans to close its businesses. That's 300 jobs at risk. Many of the jobs are in Queenstown. Tourism job losses there now over 5,000. It really brings home how big this impact is that even one of our most iconic, one of our biggest tourism businesses in the country uh, can't carry on without any customers. We look at Queenstown's economic coronavirus bloodbath and what it will take to recover. Will there be fewer fresh-faced bungee jumpers and more grey-haired golfers? And will rich foreigners be allowed to buy houses again? Look, they've been fantastic for this region. They're good citizens. They've had a lot of value. They've certainly not taken, in most cases I know, taken anything out of the economy, pouring money in. From the time the famous Queenstown gondola started to ferry tourists up Ben Lomond 50 years ago, the picturesque town has been a mecca for tourists. Soaring mountains and serene lakes, adventure and drama, Queenstown had it all. So much so that a report in 2018 detailed massive infrastructure problems caused by too many overseas tourists. Under pressure were housing, transport, the airport, water supply and the environment. Environment. Residents were carrying the load when at peak times for every local there were 34 visitors. But tourists are so valuable. Visitors who've come to New Zealand for Queenstown have spent between $1.44 and $1.74 billion a year. But the boom that took off in the 80s is now bust. Words like welfare tsunami, grief, economic bloodbath and horror show are being used. It's tumbleweed town. Everything is empty, the streets have been empty, and yet when we're out, out of the roads and everywhere else, we're in the most beautiful country. We look up at the mountains, the trails are being used by families. It's the most surreal feeling of a death in the family and still a beautiful place to be in to lock down. Kay Parker has been in Queenstown 22 years. She ran the Cure Kids charity and has her own Airbnb business. What happened when COVID-19 first hit sums up what it was like living in this town of 22,000. The only thing is people stop moaning about the traffic jams. <laughs> um, so it didn't change till lockdown. And literally overnight it changed because people were, um, everybody, it was still bustling. We still had many um, people here. There were lots of tourists stuck. But it is what will happen now, even under level two, that is alarming. The first tsunami hit here because we will very soon, landlords will be able to start giving notice to people who can't pay their rents and evicting them. 
And um, we also know that many cafes and restaurants will never open again. What, what do you mean by the tsunami? What does that mean? We're, we're talking about the welfare tsunami. So literally over the last month or so, and more so last week, some of the big tourism companies and the hotels are telling their staff, they are starting to consult with them and telling um, perhaps 80% of them they're losing their jobs. Um, and we all know that when that worker grant, which was a marvellous thing, um, is over, there's going to be so many other jobs that are going to go. And are you actually seeing the impact of that? I mean, all these workers who must be just kind of stuck in Queenstown. Yes. Do you see them around? Yes, you do. I have been in town late at night and it's a bit scary now. It was never scary uh, for me. And there's people hanging around, um, very few, but they're hanging around late at night. But how I know is because of our greatest needs fund. So I, I already know that, for instance, the Salvation Army and the Frontline Welfare, the government has spent over a million dollars in food uh, cards and gift parcels, food parcels here already. Um, Happiness House is just inundated. Baskets of blessings. I think the last the last stat I heard was that they had um, frozen 5,000 meals in lockdown and, and they can't keep up with demand. Everywhere we go, we're seeing more need. Uh, people are now coming out desperate for medical. They can't afford to go to the doctor for either acute or underlying illnesses. When they can't put food on their family's table, they're not going to the doctor for their own health. So we're trying to do something about that now. Who are these people, Kay? There is, first of all, the migrant workers were the most in the news. Tourism hotspot Queenstown is facing a migrant worker crisis. Thousands of visitors across tourism and hospitality find themselves unemployed, unable to return home and asking for more help. Because I've been a backbone of our community doing all the jobs that really Kiwis didn't want to do, but they at first had no, no real rights. With nearly 7,000 families and individuals seeking welfare from the district council, around three quarters are migrant workers. There is a growing humanitarian crisis here. In the civil emergency fund, they can get up to $240 a week for food, depending on the size of their groups. Um, but going forward, if they've lost their jobs, they are technically in breach of their visa. Therefore, if they haven't got another job, which is probably unlikely here because we're expecting such a high unemployment, um, when they go to renew their visa, it won't be renewed, probably. Queues like this outside the Salvation Army continue to grow. It's seen demand for support like food parcels spike 600%. It's like putting a bandag on the Titanic. Um, we can only provide food and uh, winter clothing and linen, um, but a number of these people, particularly a migrant community, are facing um, the need to pay for rent, um, for power. And it's not just our wonderful migrant workers, it's also our Kiwi workers, many young people down here living the dream, having a great old time, they're OE in New Zealand, they're now also out of work. But we also have another 
really important group. Those companies, those people who have worked their butt off and they've lost their companies and they've had to put their staff off and they themselves are in really difficult situation, probably for the first time in their lives. There's this complete disbelief and this huge worry and then mortgage payments coming for them, the grief of having to put off workers who've been with them for years and having to say that our company is no longer sustainable. Kay Parker was out with a friend when she came up with the Wakatipu Greatest Needs Fund. I was literally out biking with a friend the week before lockdown. I had slowly um, stockpiled basic food that I told my doctor the day the week before lockdown that if anyone needed food or what have you um, I had stockpiled food to help our neighborhood and anybody else in need the next day I had two phone calls for desperate families living on $50 and not being able to feed their family and I said to my friend I think I'd better get out of retirement and start a fund she also helped me at Cure Kids and with the Trails Trust and she said all right we'll do it together so we did so basically you tapped into some of your wealthy friends and contacts? Yes, and then they gave me others. Um, they gave me their, their people and it's just snowballed. So how much have you got now? How, what sort of donations? We are literally just about at 638000 million is our goal and I hope the next couple of weeks I've been a bit distracted um, with um, helping some migrants get out um, of New Zealand currently so I'm back onto it these next two weeks I hope to get near to 800,000. What do you mean you've been distracted with some helping some <laughs> migrants get out well, tell me that tell me about that. Well I, I got a call from um, a Luana Goncalves, who is very well known in the South American community here. I didn't know her, but she basically said uh, the Brazilian government has chartered a plane. I've got all these people on it, migrant workers, some tourists stranded, the, the parents of migrant workers who got stuck here. And she said they cannot get from Queenstown to Auckland to get that flight. And she was just so eloquent and touched my heart and it was outside my fund's remit. So I said, right, let's just get on and do it together. We all danced and diced, but we got 26 out in the end because three were in bubbles. So we could take three more people. And I was so pleased for them as a mum. I just thought if I had kids who wanted to come home and needed to come home and we had a plane fares organised yet. They couldn't get out of Queenstown. It would break my heart. So mm. we just did it. But, Kay, that's kind of interesting in a way because flying back to Brazil, which is, you know, they have got a massive problem on their hands over there, a crisis. But I, I guess does that sort of illustrate the situation in Queenstown, that it's so dire for people like them? Well, I think it does to a degree. I think that most of us, most young people on an OE or wanting to stay here, and many of them did and were very sad to say goodbye, they knew that there wasn't a future here now, now that this had happened. And I think our great urge, often many of us when we realise it is going to get 
dire that we want to go home to our families no matter what. Um, I would want my children home, and in my old days, if a pandemic had struck on my OE, um, I think I would rather be home. So that's Queenstown now, but what about its future? Here's Sirion Edgar, businessman and philanthropist. He's been coming to Queenstown for 65 years and has had a house here for 40 years. He's on a council steering committee working on its economic recovery. We will see people coming for longer. Uh, the, the mix will change. I suspect we'll see more older people. One, because they'll be able to travel, they know that economically they're in a better position, but also, uh, and that will change, they'll come for longer, the golfers will want to play, you know, some of the five courses here, or all of them, so they'll stay for a week, and it, uh, the young people will be uh, more concerned to um, make sure they've got a job. But away from tourism, you know, I've heard people say that Queenstown, this is the time now that Queenstown diversifies, that it's too way too dependent on tourism and it has to get into other things, developing other things such as, I don't know, developing the film industry, for example. Yeah, look, everyone has recognised that. But they're not easy. I mean, one of the areas I've been involved with is education. And we have established the resort college here, catering for hospitality and adventure tourism. And things like education are certainly things to be encouraged. And film industry is another one. But, I mean, look at the film industry now. I mean, with no one being allowed to travel, borders closed, that's slowed that totally as well. Mm. So... And obviously technology, everyone wants to, um, you know, create a basis. And that is something that is very attractive for a place, you know, to attract bright young people in that sector, Queenstown's the perfect place to bring up a family for outdoor and have outdoor pursuits. But everyone in the world wants that. So it's not easy. You're not suddenly going to get Google want to set up a branch here unless... Um, so I think we will see more of it, but we do have to be practical that tourism has been good for the, the community. I think it, we will diversify over time, but it, it's not a sudden panacea that'll change overnight. In over five years, I would love to think tourism would drop to 60% or even hopefully 50%, but you can't just turn things on and off and particularly attract new businesses that are going to employ a substantial number of people in a short time frame. In mm. a short time frame, I say one to two years. And he reckons it's time to let the foreign buyers back into our housing market. New Zealand has always been short of capital. So they bring in money, which helps everyone. And, you know, you, you can't take the land away. So I don't see any, the argument, and look, and there were some valid reasons that people were coming in and buying up all these cheap houses and, you know, that pushed up the prices. But put a, they can't buy anything under $3 million or something, so you're not going to affect the first home buyer. 
but they do. I mean, the Mutt Langs of the world, mm. Julian Robertson, Mr. Ishi, the late Mr. Ishi, those people. And so they add real value. And, you know, it benefits everyone. Mm. Look at what's been created in the motor tapu. It's just the most amazing restoration back to the values. What Mr. Ishii's and you know, his family have done for Millbrook, creating a world-class resort facility. These people have been wonderful contributors. So we, everyone in New Zealand benefits. Why wouldn't you want them? Mm. Very controversial. Um, can yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, but I think... And understand that at bottom end, your last thing you wanted, and I understand there was a lot of Chinese coming in and buying hundreds of houses and everything and then just sort of you know, putting them back on the market at a higher price. But look at the criteria. You know, there is people that add real value and we can use some extra capital at this time. Before COVID-19 hit, Queenstown was grappling with a different crisis, high house prices and nowhere for renters to live. In a town of extremes, thousands have been living on the breadline, hot bedding, 30 to a house. Eon Edgar says locals like the peace and quiet, but that doesn't pay the bills. You know, there's a new game in town. You rush to the window when you hear an aeroplane. <laughs> but yeah. I think that we will get... Uh, some activity will be good and it is going to be very necessary. But I don't see, as, as I said, getting back to those pre-COVID-19 levels for a very long time. What will happen with all these empty hotel rooms? Um, I think two things. One, they will be very price-competitive which means that, which will make it a lot tougher for the Airbnb-type alternatives. So I think they will attract a bigger share of the market, which they had lost with the advent of things like Airbnb. So they'll drop their prices to make it attractive. And secondly, some of the more marginal ones may be used for other forms of accommodation. As I understand, close to 20% of houses in Queenstown were on Airbnb. Well, that's just collapsed. So suddenly, a lot of those that accommodation had switched from long-term rental to short-term because you obviously could get a higher rate. Well, suddenly, all those people are back in the market looking for people to rent. So from a shortage... We now have oversupply. In addition, there is two, a couple of major developments, uh, one about 180 apartments and another one smaller and a couple more still nearly finished, which are going to add to that oversupply situation. So I think two things will affect. One... As I said, there is now no shortage of accommodation. And secondly, rentals will reduce, which will make it easier for those struggling to find accommodation at a reasonable price. Which is good. That's a good thing. But, of course, there's no jobs. Well, I mean, and 
And the other factor, of course, is that with the substantial unemployment we're expecting, and we're already seeing substantial people who've had to be put off, and I think that will compound once the wage subsidy ends. You know, reality is um, it can't go on forever. But with that, people will leave the district, particularly those in the construction sector, because obviously places like Dunedin with the very substantial um, new hospital build, that will require labour, and other people will return to home, and some of our wonderful migrants who are such a vibrant part of the economy will return home uh, because their visas will run out or and there's no job opportunities. Can I just ask you lastly, how do you feel about things in Queenstown? I mean, do you feel sad or do you feel optimistic about what's ahead? What's your general feeling about things? Oh, the sun will shine, rise in the morning. We will get through this. I mean, it's, we're very fortunate with strong leadership. Jim Bolt, I mean, he's been through this before, you know. He was chief executive of the airport, the Christchurch airport. He's reacted quickly. He's put some good people around. We're conscious of the welfare problems that are going to only enhance, unfortunately. But um, so we'll get through this. And in times, it will be a, probably a more caring and better community. We will get more diversity in our interests, but you've got to be practical. That will take time. Tourism will always remain a big part of Queenstown, but hopefully more quality and less quantity. Can you visualise what Queenstown is going to be like in the future? I mean, this is going to take a long, long time, months, years, but can you imagine what it's going to be like? Because it won't, surely won't be the same. It won't be the same, but... We are resilient and we are positive and we will work really hard and help each other. Our whole motto here at the moment is be kind. So we're all doing acts of kindness, whether it's little or big. When this is over, for many who are coming to visit, they'll love it. It'll be like, I've been here 22 years. It will probably be like perhaps 10 or 15 years ago. So for visitors, I think they're in for a treat, to be quite honest, because things will still open again and they'll still be looked after and our beauty's all around us. It's not like a war where, or an earthquake like Paul Christchurch where all the place is devastated. It's still beautiful. But the undercurrent for all of us, it is a grief and we will grieve for the many people who are hurting, but help as best we can and we will come back. That's the detail for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Thanks to RNZ and NZ On Air and to Eon Edgar and Kay Parker. And a big thanks to all those who helped get us back up and running. Sorry if some of our audio quality might be a bit ropey until things are completely back to normal. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And it's good to be able to say kakite anō. Kakite anō.